0: Hello, my name is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Taste Creek Presbyterian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. Got an exciting podcast development this week to share. Uh, WSKV 104.9 FM has decided to air our podcast on Sunday mornings, and I'm actually um, particularly excited about this because WSKV is not a Christian radio station. Again, this is a podcast for the public square um, engaging every square inch of God's world with God's worldview. And so while it might be beneficial to air uh, in the subculture of Christian radio, I'm much more excited to have it on a uh, Kentucky country and bluegrass station that even dabbles in some good old-fashioned radio, which is pure entertainment by the way. if you have never, listen to Tradio, then your life is incomplete. I highly recommend. But a country music station with a bit of a cult following in the bluegrass and Appalachia is exactly where I want to be. So excited for that. Um, I will say my only hesitation that I'll offer as a caveat, I suppose, is that I think they're going to be airing it on um, at 1130 on Sunday mornings. And this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, any teaching, preaching on the radio or online is a woeful substitute for congregational life. So while I'm happy that uh, you are listening to this podcast and or our TCPC Sermon Podcast, I would be much more happy, uh, much happier for you to find a local church and be a part of that. Okay, today I want to jump into the fray of climate change debate. This is obviously a huge issue in our time, uh, but there are two things in particular that led me to pick it up. Uh, First, Union Theological Seminary in New York made headlines recently for hosting a chapel service in which they brought in a bunch of plants and students confessed their sins to plants. Uh, Yes, that happened. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Union is one of our nation's most historic seminaries. I th- I think it's the oldest, uh, maybe independent seminary in our country, or something like that. And it has notable graduates like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So here is this historical, historic theological institution hosting a chapel service to confess ecological sins to plants. So yeah, there's there's that. Um, Union tweeted a picture of the students sitting around the plants um, in mourning and lament, and this was their caption. Today in chapel, we confessed to plants. Together, we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt, and sorrow in prayer, offering them to the, to the beings who sustain us, but whose gift we too often fail to honor and then, and then they ask, what do you confess to the plants in your life? Uh, and I, I couldn't help but offer, I'm sorry, a bit of a snarky reply. Um, here was my liturgical confession that I, I tweeted in response. For the countless avocados harvested to feed the trendy diets of millennials, we confess, Christ have mercy. I don't know how Christian that was. But how could I resist? I mean, come on, tweeting about confessing sins to plants—that is—that is some serious uh, snarky Twitter low-hanging fruit for you. <laughs> low-hanging fruit pun. <laughs> uh, it's awkward to laugh when you're talking to yourself. Okay, so you got you you got Union Seminary confessing sins to plants. Um, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Union Seminary, Confessing Sins to Plants, and secondly, and more importantly, was the UN Climate Summit that took place this week. Uh, Specifically, the speech everyone is talking about, uh, Greta Thunberg's impassioned condemnation of our world's negligence regarding the issue of climate change. For those who don't know, uh, Greta Thunberg is um, a 16-year-old climate activist who has risen to become the voice of the movement, really the, the hero, the icon of the movement. Uh, with the eyes of the world upon her, she repeatedly told us, shame on you, shame on you, with honestly a prophetic fervency to her. Um, and so climate change is always an issue and will be for the foreseeable future, but this week in particular, it has raged more intensely. And I thought I would add my thoughts to um, to the discussion. And, and here's, here's how I want to come at it. I have a challenge to both sides of the debate. And the challenge is to recognize, dare I even say repent, of your own hypocrisy. I would suggest that both sides of the climate debate are discredited with philosophical inconsistencies. Here's what I mean. There are, of course, exceptions to these stereotypes, okay? I I understand there are exceptions, but as a general rule, I think what I'm about to say is a fair generalization. Those sounding the alarm of climate change and leading the charge to protect the planet and its environment tend to be more progressive secularists. I don't know about you, but I haven't noticed many conservatives, certainly not religious conservatives, leading this movement. And then on the other side of the debate, those... Indifferent or even denying climate change tend to be more conservative, and yes, religious conservatives in particular. And my contention is this, if both sides were true to their worldview, then the opposite should be true, and therein lies the challenge for us. Again, the majority of those passionate for the earth's protection have fully embraced Secularism as a worldview. That is to say, they fall into the ever growing demographic of the religiously unaffiliated. By the way, as an aside that I can't resist, I would argue that climate change has itself become the religion of this demographic. Remember when I discussed secularism in a previous podcast, I talked about how it's actually untenable because we are the language that. Uh, Jamie Smith uses is, we are haunted by transcendence, and we cannot help but be religious. Well, I believe that the climate movement has risen in part to fill the void of spirituality. Uh, this movement, with its apocalyptic warnings of of coming doom, um, its young and unlikely prophet, Greta Thunberg, Uh, Go listen to to her five-minute UN speech this week, and what you will hear is something almost messianic, a prophetic word about the coming apocalypse, um, a call to repentance and judgment upon those who fail to heed this warning. Um, She sounds like a prophet, not a 16-year-old girl. And then you have the Green New Deal, which is um, this religion's orthodoxy that everyone must abide by, everyone must agree to, lest they be deemed as a climate heretic. You have got to buy into the New Green Deal or else you're a heretic. And even, like I said, even confession to plants at a seminary, this is not activism. This is religion. But anyway, the the greater point I'm making is that if pressed from a worldview perspective, if pressed, these same people who so nobly fight for the protection of this planet also believe that same planet, along with the life it supports, is a meaningless accident on a collision course for a meaningless extinction. The universe is not a sacred creation infused with dignity and nobility by a creator. It is the product of impersonal, disordered chance that we have chosen to project dignity and nobility upon. But this only begs the question, then why should we care? Bill Nye, um, of course, is one of the most outspoken leaders of the climate movement. But he himself is a self-identified atheist. He himself believes life is nothing more than the infinitely improbable aftermath of a primordial chaos and insignificant blip within the vastness of space and time. So why should he or anyone for that matter, be concerned with the earth's preservation. It doesn't take Nietzsche to see the empty vanity of conserving a tiny spark of meaningless life within the immeasurable darkness of a meaningless universe. Following this atheistic line of reasoning, if anything, we should be exploiting this planet for every last ounce of personal enjoyment before we ourselves have to join its nothingness in death. Is this not, I know it sounds depressing, but is this not the natural conclusion of this meaningless Darwinian struggle that we all inhabit? I understand the concern for future generations. I appreciate it. I under the I understand the concern for the survival of the species, but this altruism is likewise pointless. Who cares? Why concern ourselves with the future well-being of what is an admittedly purposeless existence? So I say, alas, let us eat, drink, and emit our carbon, for tomorrow the species will die. You see, the cause is a noble one, but the secular worldview has no foundation or motivation for this cause but this only highlights the hypocrisy of the other side. I am amazed that evangelicals, perhaps more than any other demographic, tend to be the most indifferent or perhaps even resistant to the protection of creation. Now, notice I'm, I'm now using the language of creation rather than planet, because that's what we believe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth Apostles' Creed, we believe in in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Earth is not a meaningless accident. It is the sacred handiwork of a glorious creator infused with nobility and glory of its own. So I say, are you not ashamed that those who deny a creator seem more concerned for creation? My fear is that all the political debate has formed a reactionary tribe of conservatives that at best are unsympathetic and at worst are downright boastful in the abuse and exploitation of creation to feed our insatiable appetite for more. Now listen, I know, I know the conservative talking points. I know the conservative response before it even comes my way. That climate change is a political hoax um, exploited for progressive agendas. I get it. Uh, I've heard it many times before. And and by the way, I do not deny that it has become massively politicized. I just said that it's become the very religion of secular progressives. So of course, I agree that it has been it has been heightened to ridiculous proportions. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a real issue here. Listen, we can't pick and choose the science we wish to embrace, meaning we can't turn to science on issues like abortion and gender, but then deny it when it comes to climate change. There is consensus. The climate is changing. I was having breakfast with somebody this morning, actually, um, who got to fly with— some NASA scientists, as they measured uh, the glaciers of Canada and Greenland, and apparently they have this crazy technology where uh, planes fly like a 500 or a thousand feet, and they have lasers that shoot down from the airplane and are able to precisely measure ice patterns. And um, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But this is what he told me. Um, and this guy is a conservative evangelical, and and he was on the plane, and he said to these NASA scientists, he said, "Shoot me straight." is this real? Is global warming taking place? And they said to him, a hundred percent. Absolute certainty, the ice is melting. The sea levels are rising. This is happening as we speak. So listen, I understand that the scientific community can be politically motivated. I'm not denying that, but I just don't have enough conspiracy theory in me to deny what seems to be the overwhelming consensus. Now, Is this change truly caused by humans? Is this change a part of the natural ebb and flow of the planet's temperature? Uh, Sure, debate away. I don't know. But honestly, that's not even the point. I don't care because that's not the point. The point is a greater transcendent mandate from the Creator to care for the creation Even if the climate were perfect and there were no alarms being sounded, the mandate remains. The Christian worldview does not ground its care of creation in an emergency threat. It grounds it in the very call of the Creator, meaning it's not an issue of survival, it's an issue of morality. Do you view the way you relate to creation as a moral issue because it is. In Genesis 1, God set humanity apart and entrusted to us the holy and noble calling of having dominion over creation. We are accustomed to sinful dominion and we don't like the idea of dominion because we're accustomed to it being done wrongly. It in sinful dominion inevitably leads to abuse. But the dominion that God originally entrusted to us was a humble authority that led to the flourishing of creation. We were called to be stewards of the universe, in other words, caringly bringing forth order, beauty, culture, innovation, technology, and all the other potentials of this glorious, unbridled creation, not for our own selfish, exploitive purposes, but for the purposes of God and the good of creation." That's not to say that creation was not made for us to enjoy. Uh, quite the opposite. Uh, to be enjoyed is the greatest glory of creation, but we were called to enjoy it properly, not gluttonously. Instead, what fallen humanity has done is rebel against this original mandate and is destroying God's good creation, exploiting it to feed our unhindered consumerism. And my point is that sadly, the very ones who are called to renounce that fallen proclivity and redeem God's original intentions for creation, we are the very ones joining in the exploitation, sometimes even boastfully. Shame on us. To quote Greta Thunberg this week at the UN, shame on us, not because of her secular line of reasoning, but because nobody should be more passionate for the well-being of creation than the worshipers of the creator. So so perhaps if we are able to cut through the political noise, perhaps um, there is conviction and even repentance for us to find. I know there is for me. I have, I am, I'm admitting to, to everyone, I have much to confess in this area. By the way, preachers, Um, who may be listening to this. If you ever preach or teach on something that you know is a glaring hypocrisy in your life, be sure to admit that. Um, Not only to your people, but particularly to your family. Uh, Spouses and children can handle someone who uh, is imperfect, but they will grow very bitter towards someone who is duplicitous. So if you preach something you don't practice, that's okay. You're still allowed to preach on it. Just be quick to admit it. And so... I say that because I know my wife listens to these podcasts. So sweetheart, you can stop rolling your eyes right now. I know I suck at this. I'm convicted and I'm going to do better. And maybe the same applies to others listening. Maybe you have been indifferent or even callous toward your calling to care for God's creation. And maybe that's something you need to confess. Not to plants, but to the creator himself. So all this to say, my greater point in the raging climate change debate is consistency. World view consistency. May all these lovers of creation start actually caring about the creator. And may all these lovers of the creator start actually caring for the creation. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate, subscribe, share with others. And we'll see you back next week for another episode of Every Square Inch.